if you're having a setback, feel the emotion. You should definitely like feel it for a minute. And then once you've got kind of like, let it flow through you, look back at it and say, okay, well, how could I have done things just a little bit differently so that I don't do this in the future? Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala, where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Megan Stafford started her real estate journey with just under $4,000 by buying her first duplex with an FHA loan at age 27. She didn't grow up with generational wealth. She was just a small town kid living with her mom and great grandmother in a town called Sherrill, Arkansas. She has since managed a portfolio of over 150 million in the San Francisco Bay Area and is now doing single family flips in Arkansas while living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Megan and her mother moved around a lot when she was younger. This instability got her thinking about what it would be like to have a home, which got her thinking about real estate. I started, um, I guess, before real estate. Uh, I graduated from University of Central Arkansas. I'm from Arkansas, a really small town called Cheryl. Um, 126 population, which is kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I got my start there. And then, um, you know, I grew up in the country, so everybody knows everyone. Uh, And from a young age, I really always wanted to live in a city. Um, And so that's kind of what, you know, was my main drive for a while. And then um, let's fast forward a little bit. I I grew up in a single parent household. So my mom uh, didn't really have a lot of money. She was always trying to make it work. And I remember we moved all the time. I mean, like literally anytime rent was due, like we would either get evicted or like had to move. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I grew up like bouncing around a lot at a young age. And so I think that's where it started to dawn on me that like, man, like having a stable home would be really cool. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I got started and where it kind of all, you know, was formulating in my mind, this idea of like stable housing. Um, especially for women and, you know, single parents um, and kind of that, uh, which is like fostering. Um, but anyway, so so then fast forward to, I guess, you know, 27 is when I bought my first duplex. I did a, an FHA loan. It's a federal housing administration loan. Um, it's a unique one. Uh, usually it's three and a half percent down. This one's a little more unique because it's a 203K um, where you wrap in the rehab amount with it. Um, I hated this loan. It was terrible. It gave me like ulcers. <laughs> like, it was awful. Uh, cause you know, as your first property, um, you usually, I, I wouldn't want to do the rehab again like that. Uh, cause it was just like so much paperwork. Um, as my first, I probably would have gone with more cosmetic stuff, but I completely gutted it, uh, like HVAC, all this stuff, you know, just like all new duct work. It was pretty crazy for your first time. Um, and so, and then you have to get it approved by the bank. 
you know, and, and the, the government. So it's just like lots of red tape. Um, and you're, you know, going back and forth with contractors and scheduling all of them and then getting their license information. They don't want to send it. It's just, it's chaos. Um, and then, you know, meanwhile, this is your first deal. So you're also like talking to the bank nonstop and, you know, resubmitting paperwork every week because somehow they lost it or there was turnover and that person no longer works there and they didn't save it to their system. It's just nuts. (laughs) So, uh, so that was my first deal. Um, it was three and a half thousand down. Um, so like less than a car. (laughs) And, uh, so that worked out really well. Um, but yeah. When Megan was in college, she took a class that taught her alternatives to renting. Her professor exposed her to what real estate could do for her, and Megan didn't let those lessons simply go in one ear and out the other. Actually, um, in college, uh, I took, what was it? It was like um, math in society or something. It's like a silly name, but <laughs> like uh, it was a, you know, a, just a math course to get my BS, uh, Bachelor of Science. Um, and I went with bachelor of science cause it was more math. You could choose math or science. And I, I excelled in that stuff. So I was like, okay, well, let me do this one. Um, and so it was just an elective I had to do for, uh, that requirement. Um, and so, yeah, I just remember him like, you know, being on the whiteboard and kind of going through like, you know, instead of renting, this is what you could do. And he even went over inflation, which at the time was about 3%. Um, and it just, it kind of, it, it all clicked, you know, we were kind of quizzed on it and I was like, oh crap, like this is, this is real stuff, you know, like why am I, you know, renting from someone and giving them all of, all of their down payment and all their, you know, paying their mortgage off. Why am I not doing that for myself? Um, and then, you know, we went over appreciation and, and it just, it, it was like a lightning bolt struck. <laughs> and then after that, I started reading like tax law. I got really boring with it. <laughs> Once she decided to take action, Megan started looking for her first investment property. Although she didn't know all of the ins and outs of real estate, she knew enough to identify how strong her local market was. She was on the hunt for a duplex, and soon enough, she found one she liked. I just started looking. So I had already been renting in a location that I liked, um, kind of like a blue collar area. Um, Homes were about, you know, in the 100 to 150K range. Um, duplexes were actually a little bit lower than that for some reason. Uh, and like, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know a lot of stuff back then, you know, I didn't know to really research my market and all that. All I knew was that anytime something went for rent, it got snatched up. So I thought, okay, well then this could be a good spot. You know, I do know about this loan. Uh, I don't have to put much into it. Like if I can buy a duplex versus a car, cool. Um, (laughs) so that's kind of where my mind, you know, frame was, but yeah, so I started looking in the neighborhood. There were, I think only like three duplexes even available. Um, and it was fast. It happened really fast. Like the one that I liked, I walked it, I had my dad walk it with me as well. Um, and you know, I had like a, a checklist that I had gone offline and like downloaded, which the realtor hated. Cause he was like, why is she asking me? He was old school. He had been in the business for 30 years and he's like, Oh my God, like why so many questions? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like going down the checklist and just very thorough. I mean, my walkthrough back then, my first one was probably an hour and a half. It was kind of ridiculous for two units. <laughs> so, um, so I'm sure he was like, Oh God, 
but anyway, so I, the list price I think was like 115,000. Um, and I ended up, I got it in contract, I think about at 95, um, because it did need a lot of work. So I had already like negotiated, like, okay, I need this much work. You know, I put it in my little sheet, which was penciled in back then. I didn't even like do stuff on the computer much yet. <laughs> like, so I did all the math by hand and kind of came up with a number that made sense for me. And then, um, so we got in contract and then, you know, it, so it took three months to close that loan. So they kept coming back and saying like, we're dropping you, like we're, we want to be out of contract, you know, and they would end up giving me an extension. I don't know why I think, cause my aunt was probably like crying to them on the back end. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, but it was, it was pretty nuts. I think she just probably was forwarding all the info. She was my realtor, by the way. Uh, she was probably forwarding all the info about like, yes, she's definitely working on it. This, the bank is not, you know, they lost the paperwork. So it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, and then stuff with the contractors, just because you had to get all this information from contractors, it kind of slowed uh, the process quite a bit. After she closed on her first property, Megan began to renovate it. She house tagged the duplex and rented out the other unit to some of her bandmates. Throughout her experience with her first investment property, Megan learned multiple valuable lessons. It's post-closing, um, that's when all the renovation stuff started happening. Um, it probably took three weeks to do the renovations. Um, and then I got to move in. And um, so I was actually in a band at the time. So I lived on one side with a, a bandmate. And then we had another bandmate on the other side. And then we had like a practice space. Um, so that was really cool because you know, we, we walked the neighborhood and had to like talk to all the neighbors and talk about like, you know, when we would be cut off with music and just let them know that we'd be practicing. Um, so we were like soundproofing the place and having a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so the renters were my friends and bandmates, uh, which posed a little bit of trouble, but it, we got through it. <laughs> um, it definitely helped me with my systems. Um, we were not on leases. I don't recommend that. <laughs> um, but um, and then we ended up moving in another person in the living room at one point, uh, which I also don't recommend, but you know, if you're just starting out, whatever. Yeah. Um, so initially I think the mortgage was, it was a little bit higher cause we put less down. Right. Um, so the mortgage and, uh, so the PITI, the PITI principal interest taxes and interests were a little bit higher because we, I only put three and a half percent down. Um, I think it was like 900 back then. Um, and I was still making about 300 in cash flow on top of that, just because we had so many roommates. <laughs> yeah. When she first moved to the Bay Area, Megan was working as a bartender. She started to search on Craigslist for another job, and she connected with a local investor who offered her a job as a manager of his portfolio. I had already been, so once I moved um, from Arkansas out to the Bay Area, um, that was in 2014. Um, I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I had been waiting tables for a while, um, you know, had gone to grad school, all that stuff, but wasn't quite ready to jump into, you know, something full time. Um, or so I thought, so that's why I waited tables in the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I remember I was looking on Craigslist for just like real estate, like assistant, just something that was going to be 20 hours a week, something small. So I could still wait tables. Um, cause I actually made a lot of money waiting tables. Like, 
Um, my first year of waiting tables in the San Francisco Bay Area, I made like 52 or 54K only part-time. So I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. <laughs> like, um, so, so yeah, I, I found someone off, off Craigslist. He ended up being a really old school dude, um, been in the business for 30 years um, and has sold apartments, you know, just consistently throughout, you know, all of those years. And I remember, you know, telling him about my property back home. And, um, at this point, I think I had two other properties. So I think I was at three, um, maybe just two, but, you know, so I, I knew all the math, you know, so he's like, you know, NOI and I spout it out, you know, like all this stuff. So he's like, Oh, okay. So she does know all of this stuff because I'd had a couple of years, um, at this point to, to really dive in. And like, I even showed him my spreadsheets and, um, was really into the numbers. And so he hired me on the spot. Um, so I started working for him and managing his small portfolio of personal properties. Um, and then also, uh, selling apartments, but I just was getting used to like all the Bay area contracts and stuff. Um, and, you know, dealing with multi-million dollar deals. I mean, even a, a two unit is, millions. So, um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I went into property management because I had been renting out my place or my places back home and kind of had a system. And at this point I was also listening to bigger pockets a lot. So, um, that was helping me like really refine my business structure. The hardships Megan faced as a child have helped her in her career as a real estate investor. Not only has she learned to be resourceful, but she's also developed grit that has helped her navigate the ups and downs of real estate investing. Without pissing off family <laughs> too much, <laughs> um, there, there was a lot of drug use in my family. Um, and I know that sounds kind of weird to go there, but um, it's, it's really helped me be able to identify bullshitters real fast. <laughs> um, and so I would say that's a strength. Um, I can, Usually if I do a walkthrough of a property, I can figure out exactly, you know, what kind of tenant I'm talking to um, in the building. I can make notes really quickly um, and kind of, I guess just this idea of, you know, scrappiness is also um, kind of like, I know I can do things for a little bit cheaper than most people. So like when I look at a building, you know, I know, okay, this I can get for this price because I know this person and we, we have a good communication um, you know, back and forth. And, you know, we've been fostering that relationship for a long time. So like, I know my numbers really well. And it's all because, you know, I've had to pay less and had to dig in deeper and do a lot of the work myself, too. So I started out doing my own stuff. Um, I'm not good at it. <laughs> but at least I know when a contractor is trying to bullshit me on price. I did not know that in the beginning. Um, and yeah, I would say the grit part is, um, just being able to make it work. I mean, you know, even coming up with $4,000 back then was a lot for me, but I started in stock, um, just like invested in Bitcoin back when it was like $200. Uh, <laughs> and then it jumped up to a thousand back then and I sold it, which now I'm like, dang. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just, I guess the grit is, you know, I didn't have jobs that made, you know, my first my first W-2 job was 28,000, you know, like you gotta be scrappy to make that work. <laughs> Building strong habits are essential to long-term success in any industry. Megan has daily habits that have helped her progress along her real estate investing journey and provide her with a systemic approach to creating balance and focus in her life. 
it's called Savers. Um, S is for silence, which is like meditation. Um, it's and, and you ideally want to do it in the morning. If you're not a morning person, maybe don't do it in the morning. I am a morning person. Um, so you just, the idea is to wake up a little bit earlier than you would start your normal, like working day. So if you work at nine, you know, maybe wake up at like seven or six and just kind of knock it out before your commute. Um, or if you're at home, it's fine. Just, you know, log on, but anyway, so yeah, you want to leave a couple of hours before your working day to, to get through it all. But so you start with S for silence or meditation, um, just kind of clear your head and kind of get into the groove of being awake and, and present in your body. Um, and then A is for affirmations. Um, this one is really interesting because I change this one a lot, actually. I, I probably change them once every six months, um, just so that I'm kind of like, you know, goal-centered, but um, you basically want to focus on the feelings of, of whatever goal you have, like, this is how I'll feel when I achieve blank. Um, and so you kind of write your statements out and I usually do about, uh, seven to eight, somewhere around there. And so I'll read through those twice every morning. Um, another, uh, Jack Canfield, he, uh, what is that book? I can't remember his book. It's, uh, it's, I, it'll come to me in a little bit, but he has another book where you actually say your affirmations in the mirror and that's really helpful. So like, I'll read them out and look at myself, like while I'm saying it, it just kind of helps a little bit, like seal it in. Cause you're like looking at yourself and like holding yourself accountable almost. <laughs> um, so I'll do that twice. I'll run through those. V is for visualization. So then that's kind of like meditation as well, but um, you're kind of focused on your affirmations. So I'll usually pick one or two of my affirmations and visualize like actually attaining that. So if, you know, if I'm going to buy um, an apartment complex and that money is going to you know, be for a vacation. I'll like visualize being on the beach and the way the sand feels in my feet and like, you know, that kind of thing. So you really dig deep into like, what will this get you? Um, and so then after that is E exercise. So I, I actually try to do a mile every day. Um, and that I've been doing that consistently for about eight months or so now. Um, and it, you know, you can walk it, whatever, but just get out there, just get moving. Uh, you can do yoga, whatever works for you. Um, and then R is for reading. Um, 15 minutes is sufficient. Um, a lot of times I do audiobooks too, that works. Um, I'll even run to audiobooks. It was really boring in the beginning, but now I really dig it. <laughs> um, you, you have to do it on a little bit faster speed than the normal, but <laughs> it works. Um, and then S is for scribing, which was, he was just trying to make the acronym work. That's just journaling. Um, I love journaling. I've learned so much about myself through journaling, uh, especially like going back and looking at, you know, where I've been, where I am now. And it really helps me with my goal setting as well. Um, you know, cause every year I like to, you know, kind of skim through it, uh, on new years and kind of make up new yearly goals based on that. But yeah, so that's the morning routine. I actually have added one more thing to that, which is music. I like to practice scales, um, just to kind of get that part in there to the creative side for me. At the beginning of her real estate investing career, Megan was hesitant to ask for help. However, once she realized the value of leveraging other people's knowledge and experience, she set off to find a mentor. It's extremely important. I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> I actually had gone down the list and um, like kind of, I kind of like, made a list of ideal characteristics of a mentor. So I was like, okay, 
I want someone that has time for me. Number one, like has, you know, I just like figured out what would be ideal for me and wrote all of that stuff down and then kind of started looking for, okay, who can meet this list? Um, and so I initially, you know, I wanted, I don't, there's a couple of podcasters. So like, <laughs> but they, they charge a lot of money. Um, so I had to go through and try to find people that didn't charge a ton of money, but would also give me the time I needed. Um, Cause a lot of the gurus will do like big, like massive groups, and then they won't give you one-on-one or they, you know, will partner you up and, and that's fine. If, if that's, you know, what you're looking for, it's not what I'm looking for. So that's why my ideal list really helped me um, focus and figure out which person would work. <laughs> but so, yeah, I would say start with your ideal list. Um, and the reason why it's important is just because like you make a lot of mistakes along the way and um, it can be lonely. Uh, you know, if you're trying to figure it out all on your own, um, which is what I've done for a long time. And, you know, it's like, at some point you just, you need to be talking to everyone about it. Even if you're boring the heck out of them, like just do it. Who cares anymore? Like, <laughs> um, cause I think that was my biggest like hiccup. It's like, Oh my God, everybody's going to fall asleep when I talk about real estate to them. Um, and so slowly, but surely my network has changed drastically. Um, you know, my mentors, I have a couple of people that I call now. Um, and it's, it's just, it's nice to build community with it because we should be discussing this. You're right. As you mentioned earlier, like, Teachers don't really go over this. Um, they don't even really talk about financial literacy. Uh, my partner actually is a high school teacher, um, or she was. She's now switching over to therapy. But um, so, yeah, we actually taught like a whole program based on financial literacy, and it was super, super powerful. I mean, these kids are in high school, it was ninth grade math class, and like they didn't even know how much like a phone bill was. Like, they, they, so they had to go through and like, pick out a salary, you know, based on the job that they had chosen and, you know, build a budget. And that's just like, nobody knows this stuff, you know, not until you graduate usually. And then by that time, it's kind of too late. (laughs) Megan wasn't looking for just anyone to mentor her and guide her as she learned the ins and outs of real estate. She had specific criteria for a mentor and she was determined to find someone who met her needs. For me personally, I was looking for someone that had done commercial uh, work before, not residential. Like, yes, if you own 20 units of residential, that can, you know, it is commercial at that point, but that's not what I was looking for. I already knew single family pretty well. Um, I wanted someone that had, you know, excelled in apartments, uh, either had a large portfolio or had, you know, actively worked in that, uh, arena for a long time because, um, doing syndications is a whole different beast. Um, and so I wanted them to also not only was it they needed to focus on apartments, but they needed to know syndications because sometimes people have private money and they, you know, they got rich off single family and then they just do it themselves, you know, but I needed to know someone that um, could actively, you know, communicate with investors, knew what prices I needed to ask for, you know, all the fees uh, could walk me through all the, the legal paperwork. Cause it's a lot um, you know, all the SEC guidelines, that type stuff is what I was really focusing on. Um, and then I also wanted them to know about retail um, and, and industrial and just like the whole asset class for me, because um, I'm interested in a lot. I get bored easily. So I switch a lot. <laughs> I know most people like to focus on one thing, but that's not me. I, I really, really like apartments and I really like retail too. Um, and even though retail has taken a little bit of a hit, 
there's there's money to be made in so many different uh, areas. And yeah, so if, if the opportunity comes up, I don't want to not know about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so those were like the main things that I was looking for. They needed to know, they needed to have managed something, um, you know, past 50 million, because I've already managed something that was 150. So like I needed someone that was uh, a step up from me. Um, and if they were a step below, um, then they, you know, really knew their paperwork or, you know, something that I was lacking in. Um, and then I also needed them to have time for me and not cost a ton of money. <laughs> um, so it was like a cost thing, a time commitment, um, knowledge. It wasn't until later on in her career that Megan was involved in acquiring a large apartment property. Because it was a new build, the deal wasn't something that fit the kinds of properties Megan herself was looking for. However, it met the needs of the investor she was working for at the time. I really bounced around. So we did medical offices for a while, um, but the first apartment deal was probably this one in Iowa. Um, it was for a, a boss, a previous boss, um, and it was new build. So it didn't have like a lot to, to deal with. The cap rate was super low though. Like, if I'm buying outside of the Bay Area, I want it to be at least a seven cap. <laughs> um, so like that to, for, for me as my first apartment deal um, for that company, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do, but, you know, it's what he wanted. So we did it. Um, but basically that was just like try to negotiate as low as you could. Um, but there wasn't really much you could do on that one because it's new build. Um, you could, you know split hairs over occupancy rates, but like, there's nothing to like fix. And that's not really like my jam. My jam is like diamond in the rough. Like I want to get in there and like really force appreciation and, and, you know, get money out for investors. But this, this particular person was looking for tax benefits, tax write-offs. Um, and they already had a lot of money. So it was more about saving money in taxes rather than, you know, building fast. Um, so I guess the, issues it wouldn't fit my criteria now but it works for people that are already at the income level they want to be at uh, and are just worried about retaining <laughs> having grown up with a single mother and no stable home megan is passionate about providing safe housing for working class families she enjoys providing this critical need for those who are less fortunate and does everything she can to provide a pleasant experience for her residents i'm still working on um but I would say, uh, so the areas that I invest in in Arkansas in particular are working class neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, I can't say uh, for legal reasons that I choose someone over another person. Um, but I will say that when the applications come in, you know, and I've talked to people, um, I have to go with the first one that meets my criteria. Uh, but once I have that person and let's say they are, you know, a person of color or a, a woman or a single parent, um, I will not raise their rent as much as other areas. Um, and that's, that's the only way that I can like figure it out right now. Um, and, you know, just open communication. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of landlord that fixes stuff right away. Uh, I think that's always important uh, during COVID. I didn't have anyone that missed rent. Um, I, everybody reached out to me and uh, I did have to do two payment plans, but it was super simple. Um, and so that was 
kind of nice to be able to have that open communication and, and work with them and that, that it was single parents that needed the payment plan. Uh, and it it's fine. I mean, they're doing well now. <laughs> Although the road to where she is today hasn't been without its speed bumps, Megan has learned a lot along the way. The mistakes she made have helped her be a smarter investor and helped her understand how to invest the right way. Uh, so many failures all the time. I, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, for example, I think my first one was, you know, and, and it's just how you look at it. It's your outlook. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a failure, but I make mistakes all the time and I have to like learn from it. So the first one would be like, okay, well, um, I didn't get leases with my friends. <laughs> the second one, I mean, like I made so many mistakes my first year. Um, the next one was, you know, I, I actually did okay with the deposit to hold, but um, I had someone that was going to move in and then they decided they weren't going to move in, but it was like literally the day of. And, um, I had, you know, cause I, I have a big heart. Uh, and so like, I, you know, I got a sob story and I felt bad, but I was like, no, like this is a business, you know, like I've come from nothing to, you know, like I, it, I had to like shift my mind to be like, okay, this is a business. This is really important that I stick to my guns on this because, um, you know, that's just how it works. Like, and, and, and for example, with me, like I always paid my rent. I always, you know, if I signed a contract, I took that really seriously. Um, and I didn't get breaks. So, yeah. So I guess that that was, you know, basically I just had to learn that contracts are there for a reason. I really had to stick to it. Um, and it really helps you, um, to, to be able to navigate that, to fall back on. Despite not having reached all of her goals for the year quite yet, Megan continues to push herself and her team to invest in great properties and continue to serve the other people they interact with in real estate. Every year we set company goals and personal goals. Um, so this year we have not hit all of our 2021 goals. Uh, they're a little, they're a little out there sometimes. Um, but I do have what I've got a couple of more months left <laughs> in the year, so we could get you know closer. But we're about 75 percent. Um, on our goals right now. And so I guess the idea is, you know, uh, I set us up for success at the beginning of the year, kind of outline like where I want us to be. And then from there, I have the employees go through and make their own personal goals based on how, you know, the company should be. And so that way they're kind of more invested in, you know, where do I fit in this picture? How can I help? Um, rather than, you know, they just have to follow my stuff, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, here's kind of a guide, you know, how can you do this? Um, and so I guess the success, you know, if, if we hit 70%, I think that's successful for me. You know, I, I like to go a little bit bigger and then, you know, shoot for bigger. And then if we fall down a little bit, that's okay. But um, yeah, we, we've done, we're on our third flip. Uh, we were trying to do five. So that's pretty close. Um, and then we, I mean, we still have enough time to do another one before the end of the year. Um, and then another one is apartments. Um, I have investors that are ready. Um, it's just a matter of finding the particular property. Um, so still got plenty of time to do that too. So th those were the biggest ones on the list. So I would say we are successful this year, um, especially for a new company. We actually just started in February of 2020. Megan's long-term goal is to expand into the syndication space. She plans on building a large portfolio and connecting people through a thought leadership platform where she can help others quit their nine to five 
and achieve financial freedom through real estate. Long term wise, um, I, I want us to be able to um, be large in the syndication space. And by large, not not large, like in terms of the US, but I would say, you know, in the next five years, I definitely want us to be managing 100 million. Um, in the short term, just one year, um, we need to hit 3 million um, assets under management. And then, you know, just kind of building from there. But um, I guess that would be the number one, because um, I kind of backpedal and figure out like what my asset management fee is and all of that stuff, and then kind of build it out from there. Um, I want us to, you know, have a social media tribe. I think community is really important and getting the word out to other people that are just starting out is really big for me because it changed my whole life. Um, you know, I got to quit a nine to five yeah, <laughs> last year. So like, that's pretty incredible. You know, I'm, I'm turning 35 this year. Like I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be able to do that. Um, so that's really exciting for me. And so I want to help people, um, to, to do that if, if they're interested in it, you know, cause not everybody's interested in all the finance stuff, <laughs> but, um, but if you're interested in it, I think it's a really powerful way to build wealth um, and to be able to spend more time with your community and, and family and friends. And yeah, I mean, we just got to go to Maui. Like that's awesome. Like I, I, you know, used to have to schedule, you know, things out like a year in advance, like, okay, well, when is my vacation time going to accrue? Like I get, three hours every two weeks. Like, like when can I go on vacation? Um, so that's been, I guess, really powerful. Yeah. Persistence and consistency is key to succeeding in real estate. Megan has continued to push forward despite the challenges she has faced along the way. Instead of feeling sorry for herself, she learned from her experiences and was intentional about using them to improve herself and her business. Probably just don't give up. I mean, it's so easy to just, you know, kind of get punched in the stomach and kind of focus on that. But like um, what I do anytime I have a little bit of a setback, let's say like, for example, I had a friend investor um, who ended up not investing last minute. That sucked. It was a sucker punch to the stomach. And so I was upset. I had like five minutes of being upset. And then I let myself like feel that and kind of go through it. And then after that, I literally opened up a Google doc and I started like, okay, well, what did I learn from this? It's like, I should have been more organized. I could have, you know, it, it seemed like he needed a little bit more handholding. I should have done a little bit more handholding. Um, and so like, it, it's, it's specific to each person, but basically just kind of like, if you're having a setback, you know, feel the emotions. Yeah. You should definitely like feel it for a minute. And then once you've got kind of like, let it flow through you um, to be able to like, look back at it and say, okay, well, how could I have done things just a little bit differently so that I don't do this in the, in the future? Megan offered some of the best ways to reach out to her and learn more about her business. Our website is dreamy, D-R-E-A-M-Y, capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Um, you can find all of our, you know, Instagram and stuff on there too. Uh, but that's probably the best way. Uh, you can also email me at megan at dreamycapital.com. Um, and then we're on Instagram as dreamycapital. Um, and then we've got Twitter and stuff. I don't really know about the Twitter. Someone else manages that. So I hope we're doing stuff there. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. 
If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys.